Welcome to Inspired Men Talk, four solution-focused therapists born in four different decades who openly and honestly discuss their perspective on the issues surrounding men's mental health, the things that stigma says we don't talk about. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired Men Talk and with me as always is Gary, Chris and Ben. Hello guys. Hello. Lovely to see you and we're very lucky today we're going to be talking about facial difference and we have a very special guest uh gary elbert hello gary hello peter how are you yeah very well thank you um and so to start the podcast gary if you'd like to introduce yourself to our listeners tell us a little bit about yourself and why you have very kindly agreed to come and talk to us about this particular topic yeah, no problem, Peter. Um, I suppose just to give you a little bit of background, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I was born in 1981 with a cleft lip and palate. So it's, um, I suppose most people will be familiar with this. It's the most common, it's the most common uh, birth defect or the most common congenital uh, malformation. Uh, back in the day, it would have been called a disfigurement, but now it's kind of more called a difference or a facial difference, you know, so give an idea, one in 700 uh, babies generally um, across the UK, Ireland, Europe, America uh, are born with uh, some type of cleft, there's different types of clefts, you know. So, yeah, that was uh, back in 1981, born with a cleft. And um, growing up then in the Midlands in Ireland, you know, when, you, when you're different in any way or you look different in any way, it can be a challenge, you know, um, whether it's the color of your skin you know yeah. whether you're whatever the case may be and um, that can be a challenge so but well i certainly would have it would have been a challenge there's no doubt about it you know but yeah. in the last four or five years i suppose um coinciding with um other things in my life um i've kind of become passionate about uh being open about it discussing it because i know that there's other people uh, out there in ireland in the uk elsewhere that do struggle with some of the issues that it can present. Yeah, definitely. And if I if I may just ask a little bit to for you, what were some of those issues that you struggled with in, in maybe early early life? Maybe just just the fact that that you're that you're, you're um you you're different, first of all, Peter, you know, and you're different in a way. Like if you think about the the face itself, it's uh, it's the most socially uh, significant part of the body. Effectively, you know, it's how you communicate, it's how you express yourself, it's how you look, and we do live in a very um, appearance conscious, uh, image conscious world and yeah. culture, and that is that's kind of hardwired in us, you know. And um, I can certainly discuss that further, but I mean. When you look different, it can be weaponized against you, you know. And again, it's it's no different to a person being bullied in school for whatever reason, but um it can be it can be used against you. So I, I would have um you know had the name calling, I would have had that type of stuff, the taunting. Um and you know, it, it can it can present some 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 lifelong challenges as a result, yeah. Yeah, I can I can imagine. Um, I, I was born with a squint and yeah. so um, at 18 months I had to have my left eye taken out they twist it around and popped it back in 
And so I, for a lot of my younger life, I was always wearing glasses and I had a plaster over my good eye. Um, so again, not to the same extent, but for a period of time, I was very different from everybody else. So yeah, I can kind of I can kind of see a little bit of that. I kind of understand a little bit of that. Gents, have you got any any kind of questions, any thoughts on this so far, Chris? Yeah. Um, first of all, Gary, pleasure having you on. Um, thank you for coming on, and joining us. One of the things I'm after listening to that that I've was thinking about is, um, you say you'd like to get into the community and talk about this now. Do you think? children nowadays that are born with this are facing even more of an issue with the ex with the expanse of social media i mean when we all went to school i'm sure everybody's experienced being picked on and bullied for some reason or another um but now with social media the way it is do you do you, do you deal with a lot of children and um, hear about these stories and what difference they might be facing now it's a, it's a very very interesting question uh chris um i mean you know, effectively what you're asking is, are we more image conscious now than we have been before because of the technology, because of social media that's available? Um, I would suspect that we are. How do you how do you quantify it? How do you measure it? I'm not sure, but um from from speaking with people, I can imagine that you know it can be more difficult now. Um for teenagers, for for people and adolescents, because you know, social media is basically, it's kind of like a, a hierarchy based on appearance. You know, it's it's um, it's very superficial. There's really not much substance to it, and you know, the a person with a facial difference, you know, the I mean, like I, I'm I've kind of stopped using a lot of social media uh, myself for that reason, Chris, because like you find yourself um. It's, it's, it produces some some bizarre emotion, you know, where you feel like you're missing out. You, you start comparing yourself to people that you never met, that type of stuff. Yeah. The, the, the part of your question, though, when you said children, um, most children, I would imagine, are not on social media. But the the challenges that having the cleft or having the facial difference uh, presents for kids most certainly are still there. Um, I gave a talk at the, the Cleft Lip and Palace uh, Association of Ireland, AGM, last week. And after the talk, I had some parents come up to me and, you know, they they did tell me that their kids are, are generally doing well, but it has it has been different, you know. Um, but I suppose to answer your question, I think we do live in a more image conscious world. Social media magnifies that. Um, and it's probably harder all around for people who may look different in any way. Yeah. Uh, just a follow-up question on that. Do you think that it could be used as a way to overcome some of these issues equally? I mean, we all know the devil of social media and things like that, but by doing things like this podcast that we're doing today and um, other campaigns, do you think, I mean, I'm talking as a parent of a 12 year old. So um, even though they haven't got much social media, that, that stuff still follows them home from school. You know, um, that, that technology, people can still follow you home from school in a virtual way. Yeah. So do you think it can be used as a positive tool to spread awareness? I mean, when you were growing up, you were maybe one of the only people in your school, I would assume, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would just assume that you maybe you were one of the only people in your school or in your local area 
that was born in with a cleft lip and things. And, yeah. you know, having that expanse of, oh, I'm not the only one. Do you think that can be quite a good thing as well? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, Chris. The, the, the turning point for me, um, I went from never talking about I went from, if I was out for a few drinks with my mates, if anybody said anything or whatnot, um, it was it would ruin the night best, you know, because I I I suppose I I resented people for making it an issue, but I allowed other people to take control of it. But I've gone the opposite way now. I have no problem talking about it. And what I find is the more I talk about it to people, the more interested people are. And the more curious people are, and most most people, of course, you know, and it yeah. does open it does open up into a wider conversation then about appearance, about you know, we 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 tend to conflate appearance with value and moral value, you know, and yeah. um, when you start discussing these things, I think people do find it quite interesting, you know, and then as a result, that allows me to be more open, and um, it just again, it's it's. This is a topic that, that's been a taboo for, for, for years, for decades, you know, and it's been kind of swept under the carpet, hidden away. And like a lot of things, uh, a lot of subjects that are hidden away or have been hidden away, when you actually bring them out and talk about them, you generally find the, the reaction is quite positive, you know? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, I mean, sorry, I'm Gary as well. So nice to meet another Gary. That we're apparently we're a rare breed, um, <laughs> just like fine wines. We're rare. And That's not what we you. said. <laughs> <laughs> so we're moving on from that. Um, it's, it's interesting what you said. But mental health. I've been doing this for about twelve years, um, and when you talked about mental health 10, 12, 15 years ago, nobody had it. It was like, what is mental health? And there's been so much dialogue, as Christopher was talking about, using different platforms and different people. But there's also a lot of role models who, you know, a lot of actors, a lot of entertainers, lots of sports people coming out talking about their mental health and how, you know, being in the limelight and that. And they've actually been good role models for other people to go, oh, me too, and oh, I get it. And if, if that person's able to talk about it but i've got to say can't think of anybody with a facial dis, dis you know disfigurement i've seen people who are disabled in wheelchairs or different things like that to get more profile but actually you're one of the few people that have stood up above the parapet and that i mean for me i found that fantastic but how how does how do you take that step Question, Gary. The, the, I, I, I did a master's um, in college last year, and part of my research was looking into why this particular minority group hasn't emerged in the same way as other minority groups have over the last 30 or 40 years. It's quite interesting. If you think about oppression, the most successful oppression of uh, a person or of a group is when you never hear from those people. You know, um, and who historically have been marginalized, uh, their how they look has been weaponized against them, you know. Um, for me to get from, from the place where I was to where I am now to being very open, openly discussing it, um, I think it was I went back to college, education, reading. Um, I was always curious about it as a 
as an experience, as a, as a lived experience for myself. But then, as you rightly pointed out, you kind of realize, you know, you look around and you go, well, where is everybody else here? Why isn't there, why isn't there more people uh, discussing it? Because in the UK and Ireland now, you've got diversity, equality, inclusion drives, but you have a minority group. And now there's a lot of yeah, research in the UK, a lot of very good groups in the UK who are actually, actually actively campaigning for um, the the rights of people who, who with, with appearance differences, or as they say, with visible differences. And one of the problems has been, uh, at the risk of repeating myself, is the lack of first-person narratives throughout history and even now. Um, and probably going back to Chris's question, you know, it's possible if you look at it in a kind of a sceptical uh, or a cynical standpoint even, that the 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 even greater value placed on people's appearance makes it less likely for people like myself to to speak out or to um not even speak out or that's not the wrong word but just uh to be comfortable expressing themselves um and whatnot so i hope that answers the question <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it does um and you know there's there's very few people to follow particularly if you're one of the youngsters looking to you know somebody like me being successful so you know there, there was uh, there, there was a very famous uk campaigner called uh, james partridge and james partridge was in a, a very serious car accident i think it was mid 80s or late 80s around that time and he was left with very very significant um scarring from the burns and whatnot mm. and he set up uh i think it was the first charity um around a centering on this topic called Changing Faces and that was in the early 90s he then went on to found a group called Face Equality International he's published a couple of books as well but he's one of the very few um, and it's, it's he's one of the very few that's speaking about this topic but also mm. he's coming from a standpoint of an acquired facial you, difference yeah and you took the words I mean because as you were saying that I was thinking about I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. The young lady who was uh, acid attacked, and she's on TV a lot. Um, Katie, Katie, Katie Piper, is it? Yes, that's right. Um, but again, I'm mis- totally unfortunate, but it was acquired. And I, I go back to Simon Weston, who was burnt, terribly disfigured by burning when he was in the forces in the Falkland Islands. But that so much is about him being a veteran, and and it, and it and it links to that too much. There's very few people who are, have birth defects, you know. So it is there, I guess. But it again, is. I ne- I never connected the two. Yeah, I, but you, but you I see the, the point. The funny thing about Gary, when you talk about say less about say birth defects but a, a, a significant appearance differences or visible differences as uh, as the phrase uh, is commonly mm-hmm. used now you're talking about a lot of people you're talking yeah. about uh, you, you, like, you, like one thing I've realised like I did a, the biggest uh, radio show in Ireland back in March where I discussed these topics and um, one of my uh, friends who I, who I train with sometimes and whatnot um he pointed out to me that uh, he he had issues because of his alopecia, mm. and and that would technically be classed as a visible difference as well. So when they talk about men's health, you realize all of a sudden that like 
there's a there's a broader I issue here around mm -hmm. uh, your appearance and how you look, and there's a lot more than just the chest uh, this palate. But again, as you rightly say, there has been a lack of. It's I mean, it's crazy to think about because appearance is so valued and the so it's a multi-billion pound industry in terms of your appearance you know yeah. and yet we don't really talk about it even as men in terms of um the significance of it you know and the the, the hierarchy behind it as well like you know yeah and and i think when we do talk about it it, it tends to be that it's done in kind of a jokey way you're talking about alopecia there i know when my when my cousin was losing his hair and was kind of going bald it was all done in very much jokey fashion it wasn't really done in that caring type of way so yeah gary thank you um that's a choice though right gary you choose to shave that off <laughs> gary you touched on um a few bits there saying that um you know it's difficult for people because it's obviously in the industries like modeling and everything it's at the forefront of that sort of world uh, and that's a big part to play what what would you say the impact is in terms of just someone like yourself going to get a job? How does that impact on your confidence? And and did you find any particular challenges um, from COVID? Because I know obviously everybody's been isolated. Did that present a challenge for for yourself or do others that you know of of coming back out into the community? Um, I I we we actually had had this discussion uh, last week at the AGM, and um, one of the ladies mentioned that. The, she, she works in the, the Clef Clinic here in Ireland, in Dublin, the main Clef Clinic, you know, and she did say that some of the patients, some of the adult patients that were uh, back in the clinic were a little um, upset that the masks were gone now, because when you put the mask on, and this applies to everybody, because I, I, I know from speaking to people that um, it it kind of alleviates any social anxiety that you may have. You know, you feel like you're. Mm -hmm. It's a, there's a weird. It, it provided people with comfort uh, in many respects. You know, and perhaps more so um, in terms of say people with a cleft or with with a, with a difference uh, or a, a facial difference, or whatnot. There was definitely um, a transition period when the when the height of the pandemic died down. And I noticed it myself. Um, I I just had to say to myself one day, I'm taking off the mask now, and that's it, you know, because there was there's a weird type of comfort with wearing mm. a mask. There really is, and there's some psychological um, repercussions of taking it off again. I, and and I know of people uh, with a cleft who felt more comfortable socially as a result yeah. of having the mask on. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting the way you speak about it. I mean, you talk about it as facial differences, and this covers covers much or as little as you as you as you interpret that facial differences. And you saying talking about the mask has actually reminded me. I have a friend um, <clears throat> who's got um, both his front teeth missing. Um, been self conscious about it. He, he they were take, knocked out in an accident when he was um, a teenager. Always been self conscious about it, um, and having false teeth and things like that. He it sticks out to him more than anybody else. And he was uh, over COVID. He really enjoyed wearing the mask, and he and he told me that actually it's great wearing a mask because nobody knows. And he got a job during COVID working in a supermarket. Um, and when it came to the masks not being essential anymore, he was terrified. Nobody he works with had ever seen him without that mask on his face. 
And he was terrified of taking it off, you know, and nobody actually can now tell that he's got false teeth. It, really, you wouldn't know, but he knows. And it, it, the way you talk about just facial differences, it covers everything like that, you know, and the struggles that people go through. And it's, it, it reminded me of that. And I just thought, actually, wow, yeah, there's more to this facial people having facial differences than that's immediately obvious you know and there should be more support for that i think actually yeah 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 absolutely chris but uh, again it feeds into broader uh, uh conversation where it's not just like i said the the one in 700 people that are born with a cleft i mean everybody almost everybody has got some issue with their appearance in some way you know um it's 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 inbuilt into us, you know. Like when we, when we wake up every morning, we appraise ourselves, we we make ourselves presentable. Our appearance is worth spending time on, you know. So again, it feeds into a broader conversation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, as a man, there's a difference between? I mean, the, the, we talk about we people are always talking about women's image, women's body image. And the effects that um, the struggles women go through comparing themselves to the latest magazines and things like that. But as a man, how did you find this? Because we're deemed as these creatures who don't care about our appearance as much, aren't we? If you if on a stereotype, we're deemed as creatures who don't fuss about our appearance as much. We all know that's not true. We all do. But as a man, do you feel how do you how did you go through that through life? You know, how did that affect you? The answer, Jam, I'm certainly at the stage now where um, the the uh, the aesthetic elements. I mean, you know, I take care of myself, you know, and uh, I I train a lot and I I work out a lot and I, I live a very healthy lifestyle, so I generally feel good um, most of the time, and that's really more important to me than how I look. Now I am in the process of. Um, getting some orthodontic treatment and whatnot to improve, I suppose, uh, uh, aesthetically uh, how I look, you know. So I'm getting uh, a jaw surgery coming up now shortly. I'm probably going to get a rhinoplasty as well, which will be just trying to, try and straighten out the nose somewhat. And, and look, if that feeds into something where you want to look, <laughs> you want to look more normal, I suppose. But like, like I, I really have the answer to that. Like I just want to see one of the challenges having a cleft is functionally it can be difficult. It can be difficult yes. for people to speak. It can be difficult in terms of um, just probably things that most people take for granted, like um, you know, just having uh, like having a, a relaxed uh, expression or whatnot, because there is a bit of uh, uh, discomfort there, you know. So, but in terms of like I've never looked at myself in the mirror and like hated myself right like that. You know, I never like uh, got to that stage where I like I really hate how I look. You know, um, and that can be a challenge obviously for people with a facial difference, and that's that's a trap you can most certainly fall into. You know, um, but certainly the last few years, Chris, um, I focus on on self improvement and I focus on trying to improve myself, and like I say, I compete. Uh, a good bit I train a good bit I eat well I eat healthy and yeah feeling good is 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 more value than looking good I think you know I think that's a really important message actually I, I, I've i got a question and I know the other two haven't really taken part much <laughs> but 
your teenage years, how did you go through puberty and be 16 and 18? From a man's point of view, we again, Christopher said women have all their own challenges. Men don't necessarily present those challenges, even if they're there. How I don't understand how you would have gone through those times when your whole body's changing. Uh, we all found it a bit of a struggle. Oh, yeah. Adolescence is a struggle for everybody, uh, Carrie, absolutely, mm. you know. Um, and again, you know, you throw a uh, uh, facial difference into puberty and whatnot, absolutely is a challenge. But what I ended up doing was uh, I ended up kind of uh, becoming the 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 stereotypical uh, teenage rebel, you know, and you, you start listening to uh, Nirvana and the Sex Pistols and punk rock and that type of stuff, and uh, you're kind of rebelling against the world, you know. Um, it's a standard adolescence move, but it's actually looking back at it, it's quite adaptive as well, you know. You, you you're trying to find your identity, and whatnot. So I knew by like I was like a, a straight A student. I was a good soccer player. I was good. I uh, just loved sport and all that type of stuff until about 16, 17. And then my adolescence hit then. I became, like I say, the 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 rocker and the the the, the rebel. And that's looking back at it, really, that's kind of probably what got through got, got through adolescence. I have I have met some great friends that are still my friends to this day, actually, you know. Um but no, it wasn't easy. Definitely wasn't easy at all. But uh, yeah, I, I I got through it. <laughs> Brilliant, excellent. <clears throat> and you you've talked a little bit. You mentioned that at one of your talks, the parents of of children um, with facial difference come and talk to you. What what kind of advice do you give to them? Because I guess it, it must be difficult for them sometimes as well, because they're going to have those worries about. How are they, their children going to cope, and and what what's life going to be like for them? So, what kind of advice do you give to those to those parents? No, Peter. The advice I give is the most um, standard, most obvious advice you can give. But like all the best cliches, there's an element of truth to it. Communicate, 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 communicate. If you have a kid that you're sending into school that is looks different or is different in some way it's every parent's worst nightmare for that kid to be marginalized because of that difference you know it's just yeah you, you don't want your kids coming home and uh being upset because somebody called them names or whatnot or whatever the issue may be is weaponized against them because we all know the playground can be a hard place to be in, you know and um, and i do tell uh parents and I know from speaking to parents last week that they that they do this, they basically empower their kids. If they, if another kid says, Oh, what happened to your nose or what happened to your ear, or what happened to your you want to get your kid to be able to tell them neutrally, this is what happened. I was born if you were an eight-year-old kid in the playground, oh, what happened to you? I was born with a cleft patch. What's that? And then you tell them. That kid, that's the only approach, the best approach. But that needs the parents to be feeding into constant communication. And like, I suppose, just looking at it for what it is, like this could, this could become a, a monster within a person, you know, if it's not controlled and discussed and communicated, or it can be minimized to affecting what it is. 
a minor biological quirk, effectively, you know. Yeah. And so that's your question, Peter. Again, like I say, like all the best cliches, communication, you know, and and a strategy for communication as well, you know, and preparing for those challenges that you are going to face when you're not going to be there and the kid is out in the playground or at the disco, whatever the case may be, yeah. No, that's fantastic. So, and it's really lovely that you've you you look at it and you you see it as a minor thing, and that's that's really lovely because I imagine for some people it can be this, as you mentioned, this monster. And yet, when you talked about it there, you you said it was just kind of a, a minor thing. That's really lovely. It shows you've really got this handle on it. That's great. And I think, would you? advise what would be your advice if, to, to someone if they're thinking about surgery should they do it shouldn't they do it what would your advice be to to people going down that route or going struggling with that question surgery questions are always interesting you know and because if you're born with a facial difference of any kind there probably is some sort of improvement that can be done what's happened uh, in ireland in the uk um is you're seeing now um adults returning back to the system in their 40s and 50s after having left the system around adolescence. So if you're going back to, say, the 70s or 80s, um, and now they're returning back because they're curious now with the advances in in medical science and and, and medical skill and knowledge and whatnot, what can be done. And, you know, I'm reluctant to give advice to people on what to do, but, I mean, if you're going back to 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 get surgery, um, you know, it's like it's a bigger question in, in terms of disability overall, and people that have disabilities where, you know, you don't, it's not that you need to be fixed or you need to be repaired in some way, you know. But if you if you can if you get improvements in any way, um, and you feel like it would give you more confidence, then go for it because I do know, um. And I have read stories from people on the different uh, online forums and groups that they have gone in for surgery and the outcome has given them more self-esteem and more confidence and whatnot, you know. So, yeah. look, it's like anything, Peter, there, there's there's positives and there's negatives too. But, I mean, uh, if there is positives to be gained from it, I mean, why not go for it, yeah? Uh, it's, a, it's a very good point. Um. Does anybody else have a question that they'd like to ask of Gary? I was going to say, Gary, you you touching on sort of, you know, kids going through adolescence, growing up in school. Do you think we actually teach enough about things like facial disfigurement? We talk about sex. We talk about race. We talk about religion. Do we educate our children at the young enough age to respect people for things like facial disfigurement even? I, I, I don't know, uh, Ben, because um, no, I don't have kids and I don't have um, direct access uh, to, you know, education programs or whatnot. I would guess that we don't. Uh, one of my best friends is, is a teacher and he would he would tell me that this whole this whole topic of appearance and whatnot is is he's one of those ones where not enough people are affected for for it to be, you know, like uh a, a mainstream talking point, you know, but there is, you know, everybody's affected by appearance itself, you know, but the the question of appearance difference and a facial difference, um, again, it, it goes back to that, uh, you know, the historically, 
the lack of first person narratives and and again like it's 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 a group it's a group of people who are not really a group so if you go back to say the 60s and you had people of color taking to the streets in the UK taking to the streets in America demanding rights um after you know historical injustice you know then in the 70s you have people of various disabilities you have the feminist movement. You've got these big white groups all taken to the streets, all demanding rights. And that's really the genesis of the Equality Act that you have in the UK. We have the same Equality Act here. But one of the things I was always interested in the last couple of years is why haven't people with facial differences been included in this? And you could say because we're not a group, because we don't identify as a group of people. That's possibly a reason why, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Off the back of that question, Ben, and talking to somebody who has got children who has who are in school, I mean, they do cover difference in appearances and things like that. And I'm gonna I, I don't think this may be a bit controversial, but actually I think something you said, Gary, there was there's not it doesn't affect enough people to warrant being in mainstream education. I actually agree. I, I actually that maybe it sound a bit I hope it doesn't sound disrespectful, but I actually agree. Maybe there isn't enough people with specific differences. And what do you call a specific difference, you know? But what something you said earlier, I think, is the most important thing and really powerful is that first pro narrative, person narrative coming from those children that are affected themselves. They are the ones that should that are educated. They're on the forefront. They're on that front line. So the parents, that advice you said you'd give to parents, I think is key. And I think that covers so much more than facial differences. Yeah. It's <clears throat> giving that child the ability and information to be able to be the education behind it so when an eight-year-old child does ask what's wrong with you they can say well this is why i'm i'm the way i am and this is why and this is what happens and this is it without and being confident enough to say yeah that's that's the way it is you know i think that's how we i think that's the best tool and the most powerful thing that can come off the back of anything you know do, do you think the average parent who's probably between 25 and 35, we know there's wider gaps than that, but the average parent who's now probably a millennial has the courage to face up to that and educate their child? Because I, I see potentially a lot of parents going, oh, don't talk about that. Don't highlight yourself. Don't stand out. Don't be a tall poppy. Because we we you know almost hiding from the truth, and we we hear people that you know telling people that you know such and such has happened, and they're not you know I, I've always been very open and honest about everything. This is what things are. I don't think all parents are able to be. This is the way it is. This is why you like you are. That's fact. To give that courage and that strength and that understanding. Mm-hmm to the child that education of fact i think there's a lot of hiding behind fear of judgment of impairments not the child i also think there's a big i agree with all of that gary but i think there's also a massive lack as well you know i see some really venomous stuff on social media in community groups 
And people are posting genuine questions, but then that individual gets attacked and destroyed for perhaps how they look in their picture or that they can't speak English properly and they misspell things. And Mm. actually it's a pylon and people get attacked for that rather than actually society doing what we should always do and look after each other and have respect for each other and help each other along the way. Um, And so I think the parents, as much as in, in the children that you're talking about, Gary, and the parents that you've met at school are obviously aware of that because of, their children having some form of disfigurement i think there's a lot of parents a lot of arrogance and ignorance around it from the broader community who would probably just use it to abuse and maybe not tell their kids the right way to interact absolutely but let me give you an example i just thought of something there uh when when you were speaking um you've got the uh the heavyweight uh boxing champion tyson fury Mm. Um, a man who claims he's a religious man. He claims that he's... Uh, very religious. He claims he's very religious, Gary. <laughs> you know, but, um, the, now, just put this into perspective, okay? Um, one of his favourite tactics, um, I don't know if you follow boxing, but uh, he, mm. people want him to fight this Ukrainian guy, Usyk, you know? Yep. And it's been rumbling on for a while. It all wants to happen. But one of his favourite tactics, in terms of abuse mm. towards Usyk, he calls him a gap-toothed effort. You ugly gap tooted effort. Um, yeah. And now can imagine if he had targeted Usyk based on the color of his skin. Or imagine mm, if he targeted yeah. Usyk based on um, his ethnicity or his nationality or whatnot. Or if Usyk had a, a genuine disability, obviously it's unlikely to be a, a boxing champion, but uh, it's somehow normalized, you know. And I always, I, I love combat sports and whatnot, but I use that example. As the as a good example, I think of this normalization of weaponizing people's appearance, you know, and getting away with it. And the same guy will be on social media the following day praising God, you know, mm. like the normalization of nastiness towards people uh, because of how they look. What a horrible, horrible example but, he is but, to set the kids, you know. But, uh, but that's that's amazing, and I get it. And it's interesting because now, if you fat shame someone, you're bad. And actually, of mm. somebody who's extremely overweight myself, and I know that it does. When somebody was to fat shame me, Ben Christopher. Peter, be quiet. If somebody, <laughs> no, it's not pretty big, Gary. I, 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 I see, see what I mean. Uh, but actually, it's the truth, and actually, my health will suffer because of it. You know, I and I have a choice what I put into my body. You're you're very healthy. You're very fit, and that's a choice. But actually, if I've got gappy teeth or I've got no hair, that's not a choice. But now, if somebody abuses my my size or, or my sexuality or my color and we fun we had a guest on recently um a guy called g and he said that he's had lots of issues with, with his color um but that was obvious so people could see that so there was either thing but actually most of the issues in all countries are the things which you don't see, like sexuality or feminism. But actually, your facial challenges, differences, are obvious, and nobody. And, and I've never thought in that way. So again, every single podcast, it's just like, oh my god, another bell just rang. Yeah, but you 
Gary, like, like, what I'm interested in, right, is uh, as a as a as a student of sociology, is how can we improve our societies? How can we advance our societies? You know, and it just blows my mind that in 2023, uh, a person can go onto the social media, abuse somebody because of a a two millimeter gap in his front teeth, and that's yeah. just normal. You know, it's it's kind of mind blowing to think about like where we are collectively as, as a human species that we still just turn a blind eye to weaponizing people's people's uh, uh, genetic based appearances. You know, it, it, it's interesting because I love my boxing and sports too, and if he'd abused you, who've clearly got something which is genetically yeah. there, you've got yeah. the cleft palate. I would have said that's wrong. Yeah, but he he, he would not have done that. Gareth, no, you know, yeah. but somebody like me, oh, you know, Oi Baldy, and everybody calls me that. You know, yeah, yeah. that's fine. And or, or you know, Gappy Teeth, that's fine. Bugs Bunny, whatever. And it's interesting. How far do you have to be down that spectrum for it to go from that's fair game? because you look a bit funny to can't say that because that's a, you know, that's inappropriate. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because uh, it, it, well, there's a big thing that I see a lot on social media and it kind of rings a little bit to me. I mean, I'm five foot six. I'm not the shortest guy, but I'm certainly not the tallest guy, you know, and it's something that um, in the past has sometimes bothered me. And um, particularly on things like dating sites, this is quite, being brought up a little, quite a lot now on social media, women seem to be allowed to have this preference of putting on their dating profiles, guys over six foot only, you know, and having those preferences. And that's, you know, fine, that's okay. But something you said actually made me think if a man was to put on their um, no women over a size 14, they'd be uproar, you know. There is some there's some clear inconsistencies there, Chris. When, yeah. you, when you look at it, there really is. Um, and it is interesting, like I say, when they talk about appearance. Uh, Gary mentioned the weight. You mentioned the height. Um, uh, many many men are struggling with all these different issues, you know, and they're all intrinsically related to appearance, you know. But there is there there is there is a lot of uh, moral inconsistencies overall. There is, yeah, mm. yeah. Really. Well, well, one quite sorry, on. one question because I think we're coming to the end there. Um, one thing that I really want to know, Gary, is you talk really well about this. As uh, you know, what was it through your life that inspired you to be okay with you? Well, what, Chris? Um, in my early thirties, I took up martial arts, and and uh, I competed uh, in kickboxing. I had about twenty five or thirty fights in kickboxing. And uh, the same to a friend of mine the last day, um, it's given me a deep confidence to this day that I probably have for the rest of my life, you know, because having the cleft, the eyebrows would be raised about competing in, in a kickboxing ring, you know, and I had to overcome that myself and I overcame it, you know. That coincided then, uh, coincided rather with going back to college and, and then really drilling down into these issues that that little bit more you know and as a result and then i i i stopped competing in martial arts i i, I got into endurance running and ultra running now as well but 
Um, I just training and competing, I discovered a lot more potential about myself in myself as a result. And it gives you more perspective, you know, uh, overall. Um, and look, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, education, physical fitness, you know, reading good books, uh, looking after yourself. That's the foundation to a, 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 a half decent life. You know, in my opinion, anyway. So that's wow. that's the the background to where to where I am, where I am now. And I, I always say to people that I'm not the finished article. It's not like a, it's not like a linear straight line from A to B here. There's a lot of things to work on still, you know. But um, am I better than I was ten years ago? Yeah, most certainly. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Makes so, me think of Cobra Kai. Have you seen it, Gary? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, Chris. Uh, we just, I just go down the road to inspired martial arts and see it. <laughs> so, Gary, so, so, oh, did you want one last question, Gary? Well, I'm just saying it. it he loves to hug it, Peter. You know, behave yourself. I was just going <laughs> to pay Gary because he's got such a good name. Another compliment, <laughs> you know. Um, he spells it properly. It's none of that two R rubbish, you know. Um, <laughs> It's just that what I'm hearing is your your facial situation doesn't define you. No, it certainly doesn't define me, Gary. It's part of who I am. It will always be yeah. part of who I am. But um, I'm going over to Barcelona next week for a 12-hour race um, on the track, and uh, I'm going over there to compete. Yeah. I'm going over there to try and win the race, you know. And uh, it doesn't make a blind bit of difference how I look when, when that race begins, you know, and when I do plenty of other things, I mean, it is certainly part of my life. It's uh, it's it's, uh, it's a unique experience, that's for sure. But uh, it doesn't define me at all. No, no. Brilliant. That's amazing. Gary, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Before we leave, is there any kind of place that people can reach out if they want to book you for talks or have you got any kind of uh, advice or places that parents could go if they want to get more information? Is there anything that you kind of websites, resources? Well, Peter, I'm, I'm in the process of uh, starting a charity here in Ireland called Visible Difference Ireland. And we're waiting now on approval from the uh, charity regulators. My intention is uh, if we get the approval, um, that will apply for funding. We'll, we'll get a website up and running. We'll we'll get a podcast up and going. There's some amazing people actually in the UK. I would love to talk to, um, about these about this general uh, issue that we, we discussed. So that's in the pipeline. Um, but at the moment, I mean, if anyone's listening and they want me to to get in contact, I'll leave my email address with yourselves, and you can you can pass it on. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Gary, thank you so much for your time. It's been a genuine pleasure and um, really, really inspiring to, to listen to you and your journey. Um, thank you, so thank you for your time. Take care and goodbye. Jen, do you want to say goodbye? Thanks, Gary. Really appreciate you coming on the show, mate. Best of luck in your race in Barcelona. Yeah, thank, thanks a lot for, again, such an inspiring um, understanding of what you are and who you are. Been really, really great hearing you, Gary. Um, yeah, hope we'll speak to each other again soon. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast that proves men do talk. If you would like more information or support, then please visit inspiredtochange.biz, where you can learn more about us and the Inspired to Change team. 
And remember, the conversation continues on our social media, Inspired Mentor.